you can open us in prayer, please. my Lord, that this morning, Lord, that you give us uh, ears to hear and eyes to see what your Spirit is speaking to us this morning, Father God. I pray, my Lord, that you give us the desire every day to serve you in the Spirit and in truth, Father God, the way that we desire, Father God, to honor you with what we say and with what we do, Father. I thank you, my Lord, that you give us this great opportunity to come together to your holy presence and to hear directly from you, God. So, Father, we give this time to you. I pray, my Lord, Holy Spirit, that you will strengthen my brother and that he will be bold and courageous to speak exactly what you call him to speak this morning, Father God. So we thank you. You are welcome in this place, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, we say, in Jesus' name. I know he 
I've got to tell someone 
about the two thieves on each side of Jesus. And the statement that one of them made, one of them said, if you are the Son of God, come down from that cross and save us. Save yourself. The other thief, I think he is a lot like all of us. He knew he deserved to be there and he knew that things in his life that he had chosen, the paths that he had chosen, brought him to that place. All he was searching for was mercy for grace. And he asked Jesus a question. He said, will you remember me? And I don't think he was asking Jesus to make a mental note of who he was and not forget him, but think he was looking at Jesus, the carpenter's son, the one that grew up knowing how to put things together. And I think he was tapping into the side of his life that he watched his father build things and create things. When he said, remember me, I think he was saying, can you take the fragmented pieces of a life that I've destroyed? Put it together. Put it all back together. Can you? Can you remember me? And that's how this little song came about. It just says, "Remember me."
Father, we are grateful and thankful, Lord, that your love endures forever. I thank you, God, that you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that your word says that you've begun this work in us. And you are faithful to complete it. Such great love displayed through your life, through your death, through your resurrection, through your ascension, through your place of intercession at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, let us not forget how great your love is. God, let us not remain in rebellion, but Father, may we remain in full submission, willingly, to your leading Holy Spirit. That we would live lives that honor you and not lives that grieve you. Oh God, we humble ourselves this morning before you. And I pray, God, that we would be attentive to your word. God, that your word will come forth through the fruit of our lives. That we will not just be hearers, but that we would be doers. That our hearts would be of good soil to receive. And that the word would not be robbed from us. Oh God, do what is needed in each of our lives and each of our circumstances to draw us even closer to you. May we be a people with a solid testimony and character. Lives that are lived to honor you in this generation. That your name would be made known throughout the earth. So that men and women will be drawn unto you. And that you would receive all the glory and honor. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ruth. Right. Chapter 3. Can you give me a second? Yeah. Just hear something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know we are getting closer to Christmas Day. When I heard the music, Garrett, and I want to share this, so I didn't. We all in Christmas like to buy gifts for people and friends and loved ones. And I felt like I said to my heart, what gift you're going to bring to me in this Christmas? Sometimes we just focus on this season, like buying and getting things for others. And, you know, and that's nothing wrong with that. But... 
What is the gift that we're going to bring to our love, to the true love, to the Messiah? It's all about Him. That's why we celebrate Christmas because of Him. It's because the gift of salvation that we have in Christ and in Christ alone. It's because His great love for us that He gave His only begotten to redeem us back to the Father. Father God, I just pray me on my heart, God, for all of us, that we will take time to meditate and to give thanks to you, my God, for this great gift, the great, the great gift that you have given us, the gift of life, of freedom, of salvation that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive your love and your mercy and, and everything that you have done for us, my God. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us to celebrate this Christmas like never before, to know that you are the true reason for this season, my God. That we will offer our serve, Father God, ourselves a beautiful offering to you, my God, as a living sacrifice. That we will live for you and for you alone, my God. That our heart desire will be to serve you and to honor you and to love you, God. Father, that you have called us to, to serve you and to and to be your ambassador. Your representative in this earth. This is not our home, my God. This is not my home. My home is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that cannot be shaken, my God. So I pray, my Lord, that all of us in this room, my God, that will never take for granted that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of Lords that is coming back like a lion to establish his kingdom forever and ever. And we are belong to that kingdom, my God. So, Lord Jesus, I pray, my God, that this Christmas, my God, we will give you everything, that we will surrender completely to your feet, my God, that we would, you call us, Father, to, to celebrate a beautiful banquet in your table, God. So we don't need to just beg you and anything, God. You call us to be, to sit at the banquet. To sit with you in the heavenly places, my God. You have given us all the authority in heaven and earth, Father, to serve you. Father, God, help us to do exactly what you call us to, God. We are your soldiers. We are your people. We are your church. We are your bride, my God. Can we understand who we are, God? Holy Spirit, give open our eyes and ear to hear from your throne, my God. 
My heart is so heavy, my God, because you have given us everything, my God, that we need to live a godly life, and you are in you alone, my God. Can you help us, Holy Spirit? I know you do. But can you help us to be obedient? Can you help us, God, to surrender, to crucify this flesh? To crucify this flesh every single minute, every single hour, every single day, my God, for your glory. Because you deserve the glory forever and ever, my God. And one day we're going to be standing in your holy presence. What are we going to say when we are in front of you, my God? We said, we're going to present to you. It was no enough what you did in that cross for me. Oh, God, Jesus, forgive us. And give us the desire to serve you and to love you, God, and to spread the gospel. Oh, this message, God, is a message of salvation. Father, we have a beautiful treasure in our hands and we take it for granted, God. We take for granted, God, there's millions of people right now in this precious moment going to hell, dying. They don't know the truth of the gospel, my God. Oh, Lord, give us a heart to intercede for them. Give us the desire to pray for those who are lost right now, my God. It's my responsibility. It's our responsibility of your body, of your church, of your pride, my God, to do exactly what you call us to God, to spread the gospel, to share with others, to love them, but always to speak the truth of your son, Jesus. And if they hate you, they will hate us, but it doesn't matter because you have given us the strength to the power of the Holy Spirit. To do exactly what you call us to God. Oh Lord, please help us to present this gift of Christmas to you, my God. To say, Lord, no, my will for your will to be done, whatever it cost. Because I already consider it a cost, my God. It's gonna cost me everything. So Lord. My God, I pray with all my heart, Jesus, that all of us in this room will say, Yes, Lord, I'm moving forward with you in this coming year. I will do whatever is needed to surrender. I will give it up whatever for you because you are worthy. And because we one day, my God, all of us in this room will be standing in the presence of your of you, my God, my Lord. I can't even imagine God that moment. So Lord Jesus, please speak to us today. And I know you will. But I pray, my Lord, that we only will be here of the world, but that we will do exactly what you call us to. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for that encouragement. Father, as we open your word today, God, that we, Lord, would be encouraged. 
Father, that we would understand the urgency of the hour in which we are living. God, that we as your people will be reminded, God, that there's no time to slumber. There's work to do. While there is still light, God, we must be diligent to be effective laborers in your harvest. God, that we wouldn't get so consumed or distracted by our circumstances. But that God, that we would remain faithful. And we thank you, Father, again for the encouragement brought forth this morning. May we receive it, Lord, and be encouraged to do your will, Lord. In Jesus' name. So Ruth, chapter 3 and 4. Good morning. I told you when we, well, it's been weeks now, but I've been so encouraged by this book, by this woman's life. And not just her life, but Naomi's life as well. I've been impacted in a way that I'm so grateful that the Lord brought me back to this story, this testimony, if you would, for the lives of all who are captured within these words. And I've been praying for us that our lives, each of us, will be impacted somehow, some way, as we have listened and as we've meditated on these words. The Word of God is not to to cause us to feel oppressed or to feel down or to feel like we're not meeting the mark. No, the Word of God is to expose the sin in our lives, which draws us, as the Holy Spirit brings us, to a place of conviction, to lead us to a place of repentance that ultimately brings wholeness to our very lives. I want to challenge us this morning as we finish out this book to allow the Holy Spirit to expose your character. Your character. What areas of your lives need to be healed? What areas in your life and in your heart and I'm speaking to myself as well, that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in, to lead us to that place of repentance, to lead us to a place as the lyrics of the worship that we listened to earlier, that we would remove the mask. That we wouldn't hold a form of religion. That we wouldn't just play church. But that we actually would be people of solid character, and reputation. That's what God desires. That's what God desires. That we wouldn't continue to be a people tainted by the world. A people who keep longing for the things of this world. People who keep reacting out of the flesh. No, a people who will be diligent to honor God in all that they say and do. 
And even in the times when we fail, that we wouldn't stay down, but that we would get up and return to Him. To that place again of repentance, of wholeness. I challenged us when we opened up this book, how is your brokenness defining you? Because it shouldn't. But so many times, if we're honest, it's easy to define us. Our circumstances are actually that which is lording over us, that we're submitting to, and we shouldn't be. Because as a people of, of God, as a people who have received Christ and has been filled with this Holy Spirit, the Bible says that we've been given everything we need to live this godly life, that He makes a way out of every temptation, that He is for us and not against us. We've been encouraged for months now with the understanding, as the Word of God says, that He's prepared good works for us to do, for His kingdom, for His glory, that we are purposed for this day and for this generation. Ruth was purposed for that day, for her generation. And the awesomeness, revelation, is that she was a foreigner. She did not belong, if you would. If, if you're looking at the culture of that day, if you're looking at her circumstances and who she was, she did not belong with God's people. She was a foreigner. And yet, she was engrafted in to God's people. As it was with her, so it is with us. That we've been engrafted in to His kingdom. That before we came to Christ, we lived as foreigners. People living out of our sinful nature. People living out of our desires, allowing our circumstances and our brokenness to define us. People who were lost in this world. But God. But God. Loved us so much. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He's given us the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. He has redeemed us. In Christ we have been born again. Oh, but not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. There is a way in which we are to live. And that is to honor God. To have this relationship with Him and relationships with others. Oh, I'm going to challenge us today as we're looking at this word. Think about those you're in relationship with. Think about those whom you have relations with. And are they healthy? Are they healthy? Because if they're not, you need to examine yourself and your motives of why you are participating in relationships that are not healthy. Even if the relationships under the guise 
of Christian relationships. We must take the word of God serious. This is our mirror. As we see it, as we see him, we see ourselves. This is how we're called to live. We're not to be like the man, the word of God says, that looks intently in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like, who he or she is. No, we must be a people who remember Christ and all that he's done for us and that we will not participate in things that hold us down or strips us of our identity of who we are in Christ. Relationships are vital to a life of abundance that Christ came to give us. Because listen, the word of God says in John 10, 10 that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Think of your relationships. Are they stealing? Are they killing? And are they destroying you and others? By your words, by your hard-heartedness, by your unforgiveness, by lust, by deception, by manipulation. Are, are your intents of your heart, the intentions of your heart pure in your relationships? Or is your heart dark? selfishness and sin. Oh, people of God, we must awaken to truth. We are not to live that way any longer. Jesus says, right after he declares the enemy's intent, that he has come to give life and life and abundance, life to the full. That's what your relationships ought to be doing. Life. You should be life givers. You should be encouraging and edifying and building others up. Even if they're nasty to you. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. You see, Ruth could have chosen to go her way. Naomi. Let's talk about Naomi for a moment. Let's bring her back to the forefront of our thoughts. She could have been a bitter woman. She could have blamed God for everything. And in so doing, pushed God away from her. She could have chosen to turn from God to turn and go her way or to sit in her sorrow. She could have. But she didn't. She chose to understand the sovereignty of God, yet though she recognized it hurt. She didn't live a religious life where she just put on a, a facade or a, 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 a fake character of pretending 
that nothing was wrong. No, she understood her circumstances. In fact, she says, he has raised his fist against me. And yet, even though in declaring that, she still gave honor and respect to God's sovereignty. Are you doing that? Am I doing it? That's what I've been challenged by. These past few years, you can talk amongst yourself in your own thoughts. Think of your lives. But as I look and I glance and where he has brought me from, where he has taken me, what, has a, what he's allowed to, to take place, there's been times throughout these past few years I've questioned him. I've doubted him. My character hasn't been solid. I've made choices and decisions that had not honored him. Out of my frustration, out of my anger, out of my hurt, out of my unforgiveness. But God steps in and reminds me, reminds you, I'm sovereign. Trust me in this. Allow your life to testify of my goodness, even in the midst of your sorrow. Naomi was bold. Remember, she told those other women, Oh, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Look what the Lord has done. He's taken everything from me. Oh, but let's not look at her words and with the understanding that she was bitter towards God. No, I was encouraging, I was challenging you, look at her wordings as just being transparent. We must live a transparent life. We must live a transparent life so that others can see God at work in our lives. Through the mountaintops and through the valleys. Are others seeing God at work in your life? Because we said, Ruth, would have never followed Naomi if Naomi's life wasn't a reflection of the God in whom she called upon. Who would follow? Anyone or anyone's God if that God was not great. There had to be something about Naomi's life that Ruth was able to say to her, I'm going with you. And in going with you, I'm choosing your God over my many gods. The gods of my father and mother. Because the Moabites had a lot of gods. But there was something about Naomi's God that got Ruth's attention. There was something about Naomi's character that Ruth was saying, I'll go with you until death. Who were you saying that about? It should be about Christ. Until death, Lord, I'm following you. 
unto death, church. We should be following our God. And in following Him, we should be building healthy relationships that are impacting each other so that the world, those who are lost, how does the Word of God say that they will know we belong to Him? By our love for one another. Not by our ministries, not by how eloquent we pray or worship, not by how great one can preach or teach the word, not by anything else, not by how many meals you slop on a plate. No, by your love. By your love. That is what's going to impact the loss. That's what impacted Ruth's life. It had to. She had to look at Naomi and see that there was something different about her. In the midst of her sorrow, we talked about how Naomi was attentive <coughs> to what God was doing. Are you attentive today into what God is doing among you? Because as soon as Naomi heard, remember what the word said, that God has blessed again the land of Judah. It was time to go home. <laughs> and we talked about God's timing last week, and I want to encourage us this week, God's timing, no matter what you're facing, His timing is perfect. Because remember, the time that they arrived back in Judah was what? Harvest time. Time. It had to be that time so that Ruth would go to work. So that Ruth's path would cross with Boaz. And the beauty of it all is God was orchestrating and working every detail out to set up the genealogy Because before Christ, David, King David, had to come. And Boaz and Ruth were King David's grandparents. Blows my mind. God is patient. He works through every circumstance. In every situation. Church, we must not lose sight of that. Because if we lose sight of that, we will get swallowed up by the cares of this life. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Listen, I told you before, we all have sad stories. And I don't belittle it, and I don't make fun of it. We all have them. But our sad stories are not to define the new creation. Of who we are now. Our sad stories defined us. That old nature. What defines us now is his story. And so we've got to get to a place where we stop telling others our sad story. And start telling his story. Oh, I'm going to tell you about my past and what he's walked me through. But we're not going to stay there. No, I'm going to point you to Jesus. We're going we're gonna to point to his story. I have to believe that that's what Naomi did. She was able to talk about 
her affliction. She was able to talk about her sorrow. But greater than her affliction, greater than her sorrow, was God's sovereignty. He's in control. He's in control. Oh, God, shall we praise him just for that and that alone? He's in control. And at the right time, it all came together, not for their purpose, but for his purpose. The Messiah had to come. Back in Genesis, we talk about it a lot. The first prophetic understanding about the Messiah after Adam and Eve sinned, God said, there will come one from her seed who will crush the head of the enemy. And we had a beautiful time Friday night. And I would encourage those who can get here on Friday nights, come for the next two Fridays, because we're doing the Christmas experience. And we were reminded on Friday night as well that God was orchestrating events through Joseph and Mary's life at the right time, at the right place. Jesus had to be born when he was born because it was in that time that, that things were beginning to happening upon the earth, that people were beginning to co-mingle and the message would go forth. There was a way for the message to go. And we were reminded just how things were being orchestrated then, so they are now for his second return. We were reminded that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies within this book about the Messiah. If he would have missed one, he would not be the Messiah. We were reminded that no man, no group of men could have put this together in such a way that years and years between each of these writings could match so perfectly for the greatest love story that mankind could ever read. And it's available to you. Are you meditating on it? Are you studying it? Because the truth does what? Set you free. Set you free. Jesus says that apart from him you can do nothing. If you're calling yourself a Christian, learn to live as one. Be encouraged in his word. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, to lead you, to comfort you. We're called as a people for such a time as this. To be a part of the events that he is orchestrating. You do not know whose life you will impact. And you never will if you're only stuck on your life. Your sorrow. Your pain. Your sad story. I lived many years a sad person. Oh, but I don't want to live sad any longer. I want joy. I want that contentment that Paul has, has laid out for us. That we can be content. Rather we're slave or free or rich or poor. That we can be content. That we can live out of a place. No matter what our circumstances are. That we are whole. That we're not broken any longer. 
I'm not wrestling with our insecurities and our doubts and our fears. But you can wake up each and every single day and say, God, have your way. I do not know what's before me, but I trust your sovereignty. Let me love you and love others. Let me think of you and think of others before I think of myself. These just can't be good thoughts. They have to be thoughts that are put in action. See, we're sitting here today and we're hearing truth. We're going to open up and read from his word. But if we get up from this day and we go through this week and we're not challenged and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring it out of us, then what is the purpose? No. We are harvesters in the last days. You have a purpose. Live like that. Live on purpose each day. Each day. And stop trying to think you have to be perfect. It's not about perfection, you all. It's just about maturing. Oh, we have to be perfect. Listen, when you start making it about religious works and the do's and the don'ts and this and that, you're not getting it. No, you have to just yield your life to the Spirit of God. You have to see yourself as one who has been reborn. And when the sad story starts screaming at you, you start testifying back to yourself about his story, how much he loves you, how much he gave himself for you. How he reminds us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That we are not in lack. But that we are part of a kingdom. And that kingdom in which we are a part of can never be shaken. Let them do what they want to our physical bodies. But they cannot take our souls. And we must start speaking back or we'll live ignorant. Wandering lost. Oh, but let hope arise. Let faith arise so that our enemies will be scattered. Let us have that joy. And let us have the faith and the obedience as we're about to read. Remember, as we left off, Ruth has found favor with Boaz. She's a foreigner, but he's treating her as if she belongs. Isn't that what God does for us? That's beautiful. Do we really understand that before Christ, we were in complete rebellion towards his kingdom? Complete rebellion. And yet God, the word of God says, loves us. Yet though we were in complete rebellion towards him. He gave himself for us. So that we would have a place to belong. So many in this generation today have no place to belong. So many families are torn and tattered. And it just, it's, a, it's a mess. It's a mess of a mess. People are hurt and wounded, and they're searching just for a place 
to feel loved and accepted, even in the midst of their anger. We've talked about this before. Even if you look at gangs, those young men and those young women, they long to have a place of acceptance. There is such an emptiness inside themselves that they're willing to be beaten to go through these initiations just to be accepted. And they get this false sense, I got your back. And in reality, when hard times come oppressing, nobody got their back. How sad. We got people strung out and strung up on every type of drug that you can possibly imagine. All for the sake of just numbing themselves because reality is too much for them. Oh, I've been there before. I've done the drugs and the alcohol and the sex just to numb me years because I didn't want to face reality it was too hard and yet there's a generation that's coming up out of brokenness they need us church they don't need us out there slamming them and judging them and beating them down they need us loving them Holding up truth, not, not excusing them, not excusing their behavior, but holding up truth to them. You are loved. First by God and by us. And we will walk through life with you. We will not take up camp with you in your mess. <laughs> if you choose to remain stuck, we love you enough to allow you to remain stuck. But if you want company, if you want family, then we're here. And we'll walk through it with you. No matter the day, no matter the hour, we're here. The beauty of fellowship, of holiness. Ruth knew at this moment she belonged. And do you remember in chapter 2 how she responded to Boaz's kindness? She didn't become haughty. She didn't then begin to think how she can manipulate to make sure Boaz stayed stuck on her. No, she humbled herself down at his feet. She recognized and she appreciated what was being done for her. Remember about relationships? I asked you earlier to think about the relationships you're in. You better cut off what's unhealthy. And listen, listen, just in case you're sitting here and you're blaming others. Oh, because they're unhealthy? No, no, no. The reason why they're around you is because you're unhealthy. You will attract what you are. You will bring forth 
what is within you. And you will tie yourself to that. No, no, no. Be wise. Yet though the lost and the world are unhealthy, we're not yoking ourselves to them. No, we're out there serving and loving, preaching the goodness of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, in hopes that they would yoke themselves to him. You yoke yourselves with them, you're in the way of what Christ wants to do. No, you must live a life before them that they long uh, not to be yoked to your life or to your religion or to your faith, but that they would have a desire to be yoked to Jesus, the one in whom you and I are to be reflecting to others, giving them a place to belong, giving them hope for today and for tomorrow and for eternity. Ruth felt secure. She had a place. And she responded with humility. That's beautiful, you all. Chapter 3. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it is time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. I'm telling you, I love Naomi, man. A solid woman. A healthy woman. She has never lorded over Ruth. She never manipulated Ruth. She never tried to twist Ruth to do for her. She looked out for Ruth. She understood Ruth's commitment. And now the time has come. Ruth, it's time for you to find a permanent home. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he has been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Another attribute of Naomi's life is she was discerning. Oh, God would give us uh, the gift of discernment. See, Ruth is, is monitoring, I mean, sorry, Naomi is monitoring what's going on. She's discerning how things are lining up. Because again, I come back to this understanding that I take away from reading this. She understands the sovereignty of God. He's been very kind to you by letting you gather grain. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Those are important words. Do as I tell you. Listen. Ruth, don't take it upon yourself. Don't you dare act on your own. No, Ruth, listen. Listen to me. Do as I tell you. Do as I tell you, and it will go good for you. Oh, that we would hear the Lord Jesus. 
that we would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and say, do as I tell you. Don't go your way. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. No, do as I tell you. Obedience. Obedience, you all. See, Naomi understands, Ruth, it's time. It's time. And here, let me give you, before we even get there, an understanding of what the time is. Ruth, it's time for you to present yourself to Boaz for marriage. It's time. But there's a way to go about it, honorably. That you will not lose yourself. That you wouldn't try to make it come about yourself but that you would listen to my instructions so that not only you will keep your honor, but Boaz will maintain his. There's too many women out here today in this world and too many men out here today in this world seeking relationships with others and not caring about their honor or the honor of that one that they're seeking to be with. Relationships nowadays are disgusting, the majority of them. And I'm talking about even those sitting in church. They're just like the world, seeking to devour someone else or what they can do for me to get me to where I'm going. What craziness is that? Dishonoring themselves and dishonoring the one that they want to be with. Manipulating, giving themselves... And not honoring God. And then feeling comfortable sitting in church. And not feeling the conviction. Naomi did not set Ruth up for Ruth to become a whore. And that may offend someone by using that word. But reality is, she could have. But why would she lead this young woman down a path of destruction? Do you know how many commentaries I read through that has perverted the book of Ruth? Do you understand the testimonies that are out there? I'm reading, I told Gilda this morning, I've been blown away. And people actually believe it. People actually believe that what we're about to read is a sexual, promiscuous woman, Ruth, and trapping Boaz. Of such a beautiful testimony of uncovering his feet, they twisted to make it that she uncovered his male parts. They have twisted it, and people believe it. And I say, how on earth? And then I say, how on earth could they get that from what they have read? It spells it out clearly for those who are willing to hear and to see that Ruth was a virtuous woman. She was a woman of character. She has always been. And Naomi did not lead her astray. And all that teachers or people of influence in the body of Christ would not lead people astray. That's why we must have older men and older women who are virtuous, who are righteous, who can lead the youth 
unto the path of the Lord and not astray. Because they're watching your life. And if you're not living a life that is honoring God, what do you think that they're going to live? They're not going to honor God. They're going to follow your example. Oh, but God help us. God help us. Naomi said, Ruth, now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but do not let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. The symbol of the feet being uncovered. It represents submission. It represents honoring Boaz. Not taking advantage of Boaz. Full submission. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet, who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She replied. Listen to what she says to him, you all. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Her proposal, if you would, to marriage. Take me in as your own. Protect me. Cover me. Wow. I'm sorry. I have been so messed up over this book for the past month. I keep telling myself, it's just the book of Ruth, Rob. But I'm telling you, I have wept over these four chapters more in the past months than I've wept in a long time over the Word of God. She had no clue of what would come of this. She had no clue. But she trusted her spiritual advisor. Mm -hmm. She trusted the woman of character in her life. God, our relationships, you all. Who is investing in your life and who are you investing in? Because if you're not, then what are you doing? She had no clue of what was going on. Or what would happen. Just as when she left with Naomi, she had no clue what her life would be like in Judah. But she went. And she was committed. She was a woman of character. And if you want to know why she was sent at night, it was all to protect Boaz in his character 
in the town. If Ruth would have had approached him in the day, in front of others, and said, Boaz, you are the family redeemer. Take me as your wife. And he would have said, no. It would have fallen back on him. His character would have been tarnished. His status in the town would have been stripped. People would have looked down upon him. I go, wow. Ruth followed Naomi's instruction to keep Boaz's character intact and to keep Naomi's, I'm sorry, Ruth's character intact. How are your relationships, you all? Beautiful. It is I, your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. Listen, he didn't pick her up and drag her out and throw her out. He recognized, she's not here to take advantage of me. Look at her loyalty to the family. <laughs> he goes on. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Ruth, everyone in town knows your character. That's a solid understanding. You're a woman who is virtuous. Notice he didn't remind her of her past. Notice he didn't tell her Ruth, you are a foreigner. What on earth are you doing here? He, he, he didn't lash out. No, remember that place of, of security, that place of, of wholeness, the place of belonging. It's what Christ does for us because Boaz is, is foreshadowing Christ. He takes us in. Wow. It's beautiful. But while it is true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. And I think you and I talked about that last Sunday. Oh, there's someone else. That shows Boaz's character. He's not just going to, to give in to what's being presented to him. No, he's a man of honor. He needs to honor their custom and their laws. Oh, that we would have men rise up in this generation and be men of honor. He didn't just jump on this. No, he knew that there was someone else. 
Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, <clears throat> let him marry you. But if he is not willing, ah, listen to this, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz has said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Don't get giddy, Ruth. Don't get super excited and start planning. Just be patient. It'll happen. But just be patient. Don't get overzealous and start running amok and telling the women in the town what has transpired. No, 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 no. Shh. Just be patient. It'll do us some good to be patient and not to live lives that are overzealous. Just running at the mouth remaining patient and trusting in God's timing. Boaz went to town to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer who, had, who he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know Naomi who came back from Moab. She is settling the land that belonged to our relative Imelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right, right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, well, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land and the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family, member, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now, in those days, it was a custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove a sandal and hand it to the other party. This public, publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, You buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi, all the property of Emelet, Kilion, and Milon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite woman, 
of Milan to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You all are my witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman listen to this blessing, this statement over Ruth's life. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. Wow. And he slept with her. The Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. And the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. I love the way they speak to each other. They're encouraging, they're edifying, they're building up. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. Notice how this time she received what the other women were saying to her. She understands God's sovereignty. She knew that all the events and everything that has been orchestrated to lead her to this place has come to pass. And she received the fullness of her obedience. That's beautiful. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. Listen to this. And he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amimadad. Amimadad was the father of Nation. Nation was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. And who comes from the line of David? Jesus. Wow. Beautiful, you all. Oh, how I pray that this book has encouraged you as it has me. Trust in his sovereignty, you all. Don't be burdened and shackled by pain and suffering. No. Be lifted up. Be encouraged to know that God is for you and not against you. And he works out for good. All 
everything that you could possibly face, he will work it out for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You don't have to manipulate God. You don't have to, you know, try to arm wrestle himself or try to do good works to get him to move. He's already working on your behalf. Just trust him. Be in relationship with him, you all. He's given himself for you. And in return, give yourself to him. Remember, no greater love than this, than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friend. Jesus is our example. He laid his life down for us. Now, no greater love than we can reveal to the world by laying our life down for the one who came to the world, for the world, in hopes that the world will be saved, redeemed. Amen? I'm going to close this in this time of worship, and then I'll close this in prayer.
before you leave this place tonight, I want you to remember the words that David said in Psalms 23. David offered up a prayer. He said this to the Lord. He said, Though I walk through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I know that you are there. The valley of a shadow of death. Oh yeah, I will fear no evil. I know that you are there. I know I've made mistakes, Lord. I pray that you will stay.
Father, there's no life here.